Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 189 of the Canadian Football Countdown, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network, a spooky good Halloween edition of the show here today. Okay, that's enough of that. I will spare you all the rest of your nights from that terrible voice. Welcome, everybody, to the Canadian Football Countdown Week 21 Recap, regular season review. The regular season has come and gone. Uh, we're going to talk about it all here today. Of course, before we go any further, I want to acknowledge that the Canadian Football Countdown is brought to you from Treaty 1 Territory, traditional territory of the Anishinaabe, Cree, Ojukri, Dakota, and Dene peoples, and the homeland of the Métis Nation, as well as from Treaty 4 Territory, traditional territory of the Cree, Soto, Dakota, Lakota, Nakota, and Métis Nation. Now, I was supposed to be joined by Trey Colbeck here this evening. It says it's Trey on the screen. You, you look a little different here today, Trey. Uh, who's this in your place? You want to see a magic trick? <laughs> That's all I got. <laughs> Let's put a smile on that face. Uh, it's my go-to Halloween. Uh, always got to give love to Heath Ledger's Joker, man. Uh, you could argue about who's the best Joker, but I'd give it to I'd give it to old Heath Ledger, hands down. Uh, so gotta always give him credit. Yeah, I, I didn't come without a costume here myself. Hang on one second. There we go. I uh, I didn't have much in terms of costumes this week, but I figured I would come as the scariest thing I can think of which is the ghost of the 2022 Saskatchewan Rough Riders season. Okay, well, I can't see in this, so I'm going to take it off now. But, uh, yeah, that's my costume. I threw a sheet over my head. There we go. I did something for Halloween. Tried. Um, your costume is way better, Trey. Congrats. You you, you get the award for this one. Uh, I, did clear, I did clear the ghost of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders season. I did get permission from Adam. Figured, you know, touchy subject, rough year. Uh, he is not here tonight, uh, unfortunately, but uh, that's okay. He'll be back on Thursday, I believe, as we preview the playoffs then, which is going to be exciting. But first, we got to wrap up week 21 here. We're going to wrap up the regular season. Let's take a look at what we are uh, all got on the show today. Uh, the CFL team nominees have been announced. Uh, so we're going to go through our East and West Award nominees. I believe they're coming out Thursday, so we'll get ahead of the gun there. Uh, we'll talk about some standout players from week 21 uh, that we could look forward to seeing in more of a role next year. We'll go through our betting results powered by BetStamp. Uh, touch on our CFL Fantasy All-Stars for the season because the season for that is now wrapped up. And we'll do our power rankings as well. We'll also take your comments and questions live throughout the night. Uh, all thanks to our presenting sponsor, GameTime TV, which you can learn more about at uh, GameTimeTV.ca or by following on Facebook at facebook.com slash gametimetvmb. Uh, we'd also like to take a quick moment to thank one of our sponsors for this episode of the podcast, which is BetStamp. Uh, there are so many different sports books out there these days, and each one offers you different prices on the same games. How do you ensure you're getting the best value? BetStamp provides you the info at no additional cost. You simply pull up the game on the BetStamp app, see the odds offered by each of the different sports books for that game, you can go and choose the best odds that you like the most, the best lines, best score differentials. Uh, place the bet that will maximize the return for the pick you're making. And if you find those odds you like, sign up at the corresponding site through the BetStamp bet link page within the app 
and link your accounts to easily track the wagers you make. If you want extra insight before you place your bets, check out the commission-free BetSnap Marketplace. You can see the bets others have placed and through the verified bet tracking feature, you get the guarantee that the odds are verified and legitimate. Check out our weekly picks under the username CF Countdown Pod. Trey's picks as well under Trey CF Countdown. Visit betstamp.app or download the free app from your local app store. Sign up with referral code CFC to start using Betstamp free today. Best of luck with your wagers and remember, always bet responsibly. All right, I got to take this sheet off my back. It's so warm. Hang on. There we go. That's gone. I do have my little cat friend. This is Whiskers, by the way. Whiskers came to join us here this evening. There we go. Okay, we are ready to go. And uh, let's start off. Oh, oh, Squishy's back, Trey. There we go. That's Squishy, man. Have to have him, man. Yeah. Even... Halloween night, of course. All right. Let's talk about our award nominees for the 2022 season. Let's start off there as a good way, I think, to kick things off for this week. Uh, because, uh, well, there's not a ton to talk about from the games from week 21, if I'm being honest, uh, we'll go through some of the players here, but a lot of it was filler. A lot of it was basically preseason football. Uh, I don't think we have a ton to touch on there. So I think this is a good of a time as any for us to talk through our award nominees for this season. And, uh, so let's take a look at them up on the screen here now. We'll go through the most outstanding player, most outstanding defensive player, and most outstanding Canadian here first. The rules for this, we got to pick from the team officially announced nominees, although I think it's fair to throw out a uh, a, a write-in vote here and there uh, as an honorable mention. Um, but let's start with the most outstanding player awards. You got to name one from the East, one from the West. Out West, we've got Nathan Rourke from BC, Kenny Lawler from the Elks, Kadeem Carey from the Stampeders, Darnell Sankey of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, and Zach Caleros of the Bombers. Out East, the nominees are Tim White of the Ticats, McLeod Bethel Thompson of the Argos, Lorenzo Malden IV of Ottawa, and uh, Eugene Lewis of the Montreal Alouettes. So, uh, Trey, you want to kick us off here and tell us who you've got as your East and West Most Outstanding Player nominees? Yeah, for the West, it's it was pretty easy for me. I went Zach Caleros. I know there's this whole hoopla about Nathan Rourke. Yes, his stats were pretty amazing for, what, nine or ten games. But the biggest thing about a football season, which makes you the most outstanding player and the most valuable to your team, is being healthy, which, you know, it, you know, it's not, I'm not going to blame him. He had a bad tackle and it hurt your an- his ankle. But, you know, I had to go uh, with the guy who played all year minus a game uh, resting, right? But I got Zach Claros. For the East, this one was tough. I took uh, Bethel Thompson only again because, you know, he has more yards than Zach Caleros passing, I believe. Right. Yeah. And um, sorry, my stat sheets all messed up here. Uh, Doesn't have as many touchdowns, but he does have like third in touchdowns only behind Caleros and Nathan Rourke, which again, Nathan Rourke only played 10, 10 freaking games. So that's kind of where I'm at with that, Ryan. 
Yeah, for me out east, uh, I'll start there, and I'm going to go with Tim White. I think I mentioned a couple weeks ago on the podcast that he was uh, my east MOP nominee, and I'm sticking to it. And we saw that in that comeback win over Calgary, that last-second victory there where it was all Tim White that game. It's been all Tim White all season long for the Ticats. He's been the number one go-to guy. He's carried that team at wide receiver this season. Yeah, McLeod Bethel-Thompson probably would have been my second choice there as well. I think he's had a good year. I just don't know if it's most outstanding necessarily. Uh, So I'm going to give it to Tim White here out east for me. The west is more interesting actually for me because I'm going to agree with you and go with Zach Caleros as my nominee, but I really did want to give it to Nathan Rourke. And uh, I know there's that stigma around, well, he only played half the season. and, And I think that's what tripped me up on it as well. I mean, we'll get into some other awards here where I do want to give Rourke still some of the recognition he deserves. Um, But actually, this is one of them where I don't know if I agree with the options on the board. If I could choose a write-in candidate, I would probably name Dalton Schoen my most outstanding player of the season because, yeah, Caleros has had a good year, but... I think his good year is magnified by an unusually bad year by a lot of the other quarterbacks around the league where Dalton Schoen was the league's leading receiver, the league leader in touchdowns as a rookie and putting up the same numbers Brandon Banks did when he, I think, won at least uh, was a finalist back in 2019, I want to think it is. So I would have given it to him. But, you know, Zach Caleros has had a pretty fine year. He's been consistent all year long. I mean, the touchdowns on the board speak for themselves. It's the chicken and the egg thing, right? Like it, you can say, would have Dalton Schoen got all those yards if he had a different quarterback? And then you could say, did Zach Claris, would he gotten all those yards and touchdowns if he didn't have Dalton Schoen, right? It's really hard to pinpoint, you know what I mean? Like was, was yeah. Dalton Schoen a mile open? Fine. Half the time. Yeah. But Zach Claris could have underthrown the ball every time, you know? So it's really hard to, I, yeah. I, I, I could, I, I wouldn't have been upset if they gave it to Dalton Schoen by any means. One of the two, those probably, those are one of those things where, that that's going to be if Dalton Schoen stays for a while. Hopefully, that's going to be a connection that you're going to like think about in 20 years. Hey, remember when Caleros and that Schoen? Yeah. You know, that's that that's that connection uh, that the Bombers are going to have in I guess the 20s. That's going to sound weird as a decade later, oh, but yeah, yeah, I don't like that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but that's a good point, and you know, you have to think about the team nominating their list of players, and they're probably looking at it. Okay, Dalton Schoen, spoiler alert, is their nominee for Rookie of the Year. You know, you want to give some honor to Zach Caleros, who's had a, a fantastic season as well. So maybe you go Caleros for that, and then. So I was going to say, who, then... nomin- who who nominates these? Is this media or is this team? I think it might be a bit of both. Okay, because this is where I'm thinking: as a rookie in the in the league, Dalton Schoen probably doesn't have a bonus attached to getting MOP, where Zach Caleros probably does. So I wonder where that comes into play, where it's like, hey, Zach, you took a little discount for us. We'll throw you the MOP. So if you get it, there's a not like you probably get one for being team MOP and then probably another one, obviously, for being league MOP. Right. So I wonder if a little bit of politics plays into it as well. It's it's tough vote between all of these guys as well. I mean, Kadeem Carey, I strongly consider giving him the nod as well, a year where. A lot of teams kind of split between running backs. You know, he he had a fantastic season, led the, the league in rushing touchdowns among running backs, uh, yardage there as well. Uh, Mike and Adam did send in their picks for MOP. They were both going Coleros out west as well, uh, out east. Uh, Adam went with Eugene Lewis of the Montreal Alouettes, and uh, Mike agreed with you, I believe, 
with McLeod Bethel Thompson. Uh, moving on to defensive player of the year uh, out East, we've got Javon Santos Knox from Hamilton, Winton McManus of the Toronto Argonauts, Lorenzo Malden, the fourth uh, gets a defensive player nod. So both most outstanding and defensive player for him. Uh, Adarius Pickett of the Montreal Alouettes, uh, out West, Gary Peters from BC, Jake Ceresna of the Elks, Sean Lemon of the Calgary Stampeders, Darnell Sankey, another nod, nod for him there for the Riders, and Willie Jefferson gets the uh, the vote on the Bombers' side here. Uh, for me, for Defensive Player of the Year, I, I think we were, you know, a lot of us were pretty consistent here. Uh, I went with uh, Sean Lemon out West. I mean, I believe he led the league in sacks. Correct me if I'm wrong. This is a guy who's bounced around, played on almost every different team. He's been around in the league for a long time, and he got a lot done this season. He was a force to be reckoned with on that defensive line. So that's my pick out West. And out East, it's Winton McManus for me. A great underrated offseason acquisition by the Argos. I think he was out of the league for the past couple of years, maybe tried to go out down south to the NFL, came back sneaky signing. Nobody was thinking of, and he was a force to be reckoned with. He was the uh, anchor there in the middle of the defense for the Argos. So uh, lots of good options here again, but I went with Sean Lemon. I went with Winton, Winton McManus. Uh, Adam did go with both of those as well. Uh, who did you go with on defense, Trey? I went with McManus in the East and I went with Lemon earlier, but I'm going to change it to Willie Jefferson. And only because a stat that I saw Derek Taylor post uh, on Twitter, Jefferson had more pressures and total stops at or behind the line. So he had a lot of pressures and that's a stat that doesn't show up on the traditional stat sheet, right? So how many of those maybe interceptions, how many of those incomplete passes, how many of those things that happened farther in the secondary happened because of the six what six he's Kawhi Leonard man he's got like he's that just as tall he's got freakishly big hands how many times did the trajectory of a ball maybe just get changed just because of the sheer presence of him you never know those things I, I I'd split it between Lemon and him if I can uh, you know what Mike break Mike and Adam break the rules all the time I'm your better <laughs> one uh can we call Willie Jefferson a defensive player of the year still he did line up on offense this week that was amazing. I've been saying that actually to my girlfriend all year. Why don't they put Jefferson in on those third and shorts? Because he's out blocking on uh, field goals and uh, PATs. Why don't you put him out there? He's. Could you imagine giving him the ball? Are you really thinking that the defense is going to stop him one yard, like or one or two yards away? Like, I I was not shocked that he was lining out at wide receiver at all. But I got my Mike Miller touchdown, which we'll talk about. I'm sure later. Insanity. Yeah, we'll get to this week in fantasy later on. Uh, Mike did go different route than both of us or than the rest of us. Uh, he went Darnell Sankey. I think he led the league in tackles this year, set like a franchise record for the Riders. Very good choice there. And uh, Lorenzo Malden of the Ottawa Red Blacks, also a very fantastic season for him. So uh, definitely uh, kudos to those guys for getting a bit of a nod here as well. Uh, Malden led the league in sacks, actually, sorry, with 17 uh, for the Red Blacks there. So uh, very deserving uh, for him as well. Uh, most outstanding Canadian here. And no surprise that Nathan Rourke is the nominee out in BC. Adam Konar gets the it for the Elks. Cam Judge for the Stampeders. Keon Schaefer Baker uh, for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Nick Dembski for the Bombers. Uh, that's your West nominees. Uh, out East, Tunde Adelike from Hamilton. Curly Gittens Jr. for the Argos, uh, Nate Bahar for the Red Blacks, 
and Mark Antoine Decoy for the Alouettes. Uh, who do you have as your uh, most outstanding Canadian nominees? Um, out east again, I have Gittens Jr. Hard to go against him with sixth in receiving yards, and you know, kind of was the guy out there in, in Toronto that really helped again. The chicken and the egg thing does Bethel Thompson get all the yards and stuff if he doesn't have some of that receiving core? The West was tough because here again is the Nathan Rourke story, right? Can you give it to a guy who's played half the year? Emsky missed some time, Schaefer Baker, I think, missed the game or two. Um, Again, I gave it to Dembski, but this one, again, I would – I split it between him and Schaefer Baker. Again, I, it's hard to give it to Rourke, man. I uh, I put him on the cover of the CFL game next year, but I wouldn't give him any awards right now. Here's my argument for Nathan Rourke for most outstanding Canadian is, well, first of all, if you you know take out the question mark of – let's say he played like he did all season long. We would name him MOP if that happened. Um, and we would definitely give him most outstanding Canadian. So that, there's the one aspect of it. I think in the time he played, he was the most outstanding. The other part of it, I kind of look at for most outstanding Canadian, and I don't think this is necessarily what they take into consideration when nominating, is who had the biggest impact on the Canadian aspect of the CFL this season. And I think without a question, that's Nathan Rourke, right? Like we've talked, like next draft, I'm expecting to see two, at least two, Canadian quarterbacks, you know, potentially drafted earlier on in the draft because, hey, he did a heck of a job. And, uh, you know, he was a huge marketing piece. We've seen BC bring in more ticket sales this year, I think, than recent seasons. And a lot of that has been built around Rourke. There's been so much interest in this guy that I, I think if we're talking, you know, representation for Canadians in the CFL, I think Rourke is the best representative of that. So that's why he gets my vote out West. Uh, I believe Adam agreed with me on that one as well. Uh, Mike did go with Nick Dembski out, out West. Uh, I mean, fantastic year for Dembski as well. He's been a machine in Winnipeg and really has kind of moved into their number one, number two receiver role here. Um, out East, it's a landslide between all four of us. Curly Gittins Jr., I go back to early last season where he had the, um, you know, he was kind of that fifth receiver last year at the start of the year, not really doing much, became a club Bethel Thompson's go-to target down the stretch. I expected big things from him this year. And yeah, like you said, he delivered 1,100 yards, sixth in receiving, I think five touchdowns for him this year. Uh, big year for Curly Gittins Jr., one of the top Canadian receivers in the league there. So that's what we're looking at for the first three awards. We go to the next three here. Uh, we go to most outstanding offensive lineman uh, for BC. It's Joel Figueroa. Edmonton's got Mark Corte. Uh, Calgary's got Derek Dennis. Saskatchewan, Logan Furland. Winnipeg, Stanley Bryant. Uh, out East, uh, Brandon Revenberg for the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Dijon Allen for Toronto. Jacob Ruby for Ottawa. And Landon Rice for Montreal. Now, this is a this is kind of harder to do the offensive linemen because they don't get a whole lot of recognition during the year. There's no definitive stats really to argue one over the other off of. Uh, I'll go with I'll, I'll go first here. I'll go Derek Dennis out west. I know he is injured again. I know he missed the last couple of games there, but Calgary's offensive line was really good. I think Adam threw the stat out on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. They let up what 13 sacks on the year up until the final couple of weeks. Like that to me screams a successful offensive line. 
Dennis is a guy that uh, didn't play the last couple of years because that weird situation with the Elks, like holding him out, not releasing him. He came back in. He showed why he was still one of the top offensive linemen in the CFL. So I got to give him the nod there. Uh, Out East, I went with Landon Rice, uh, mostly because my thought process here was there were so many times this year where we said, Trevor Harris is going to end up on his back so many times in this game because he's not a mobile quarterback, especially those games where we had them come into Winnipeg. Well, he actually didn't end up on his back very often. That offense had a pretty decent year this year. So I got to give some nod to the offensive line there out in Montreal. One of the only quarterbacks out east to stay healthy this year, too, is Trevor Harris. So uh, give me Landon Rice as my East uh, outstanding offensive lineman there. Uh, who do you have, Trey? Yeah, I went with Rice as well out East. And and I took Bryant in Winnipeg for the fact, like you said, it's a tough one to give this one because you're giving it to one lineman, but really it's a team's effort when it comes to the line, right? Because does Bryant or Rice themselves really – like they, yeah, they're great players, but do they impact it greatly? No, it's the five guys up there. So when I looked at it, I said Winnipeg. Right now, going in the playoffs, if I had to pick one offensive line to win a great cup, I'd probably take Winnipeg's. So to me, you know, I they've been there. I know there's a lot of been there before. So I took Winnipeg's there, and on the East, like you said, I when when uh, Vernon Adams was traded or even benched, I thought you know Montreal's gonna finish down with Ottawa. They, they made a season out of it and they till late they had a chance at first right and you had to give your quarterback time for that yeah and uh mike went with uh agreed with you i think went with stanley bryant and landon rice uh adam uh also went with landon rice so a four-way sweep uh, out east from us uh and went with joel figueroa out uh out west uh, i imagine you know thinking about the success of nathan rourke and uh attributing part of that to the offensive line which to their credit, has played better this year than we thought going in out west. So I, I, I like that nominee there as well. I was a little surprised actually to see Stanley Bryant be the Bombers nominee. I thought Jamarcus Hardrick was the, the, the best offensive lineman. And I, I honestly, I expect Bryant to probably win the award overall. But I kind of wonder if part of that is just on legacy at this point. He's won it so many times. Like, who's going to not give it to him, you know? And it's the tough thing. It's hard to not give the award to the team that's 15 and three, Yeah, you know, like and broke a season record of how many wins. And you're like, it's really like when, you know, we see it in the other sports, when the team dominates, that's the team that gets all the regular season awards. Right. So it's hard not to give it. And I'm, I promise I tried to not be a homer. I tried so hard, but again, it's really tough going against the, they're 15 and three. So obviously a lot of their players must be all-stars, right. To, to put them in that position, right? And like that's the same thing with the easy kind of look at Toronto, Montreal a little bit more sometimes, right? Yeah, for sure. Just trying to justify because I, you know, I, I, I really have tried all year to not be a homer. I've tried so hard, man. It's it's tough sometimes. It is tough, and yeah, it, it, there's you can't disagree with some of the picks for most outstanding awards from a team that has had that much success. So I think there are still some good options across the board. And you yourself have mentioned, you know, kind of a toss up between a couple of guys as well, that it's not necessarily clear cut at some of these. And I think another one, it's not hundred percent clear cut is most outstanding special teams player. 
Uh, BC is going with Sean White as their nominee. Uh, I have a feeling if they would have uh, traded for Terry Williams earlier in the year, maybe he would have gone on to be the nominee because he looked explosive down the stretch. Uh, Christian Salisbury came in about halfway through the season, took over the return job for the Elks. He gets their nod. Rene Paradis, one of the most consistent kickers of the past decade uh, for Calgary, the nomination there. Mario Alford gets uh, the nod for Saskatchewan. So he was traded earlier in the season. He made a huge impact after that. Janarian Grant gets it for Winnipeg. Seth Small uh, took over the kicking role, I believe, from Taylor Bertolet halfway through the season. He gets uh, Hamilton's nominee. Uh, second round pick of the 2022 draft, Daniel Adababoye for the Toronto Argonauts. Uh, big role on special teams there. Uh, Louis-Philippe Barassa, the long snapper, I believe, for the Ottawa Red Blacks, gets their nod. You don't see a long snapper get, get a nod too often. And that's it's true. interesting when you think about a team that's had, like, Devontae Dadman and Lewis Ward, two guys that normally would be shoe-ins for that. Uh, a little bit of love for the long snapper here. That's just how their year went, right? Like, who else are you going to give it to at this point? Because, you know, yeah, I see that. <laughs> Yeah, recognize uh, recognize some talent on the O line or the special teams line, right? Yeah, for sure. And uh, Chandler Worthy getting the nod for Montreal. He had a huge year in the return game as well. So, uh, what are you looking at at uh, most outstanding special teams player for East? I'm gonna go with Seth Small. Like you said, only half. See, he has 13 games on say a CFL website, so you know a little bit more than half the season according to that. His numbers were very similar to other kickers. 90% made longest 58 that's the longest on the year i believe yes sir four made about longer than 50 yards so he was keeping hamilton in the games um see that's the difference too i know i'm gonna sound hypocritical because i said guys shouldn't get it they weren't there all year but that's because of injury you know football you have to stay healthy coming in you know a few three four weeks into the season's a little different to me he finished out the year uh, to the West, I'm going to go with Janarian Grant. Again, I know I'm sounding like a homer, but two punt returns. Like the only guy to get two punt or a punt return, right? This uh, kick return for a touchdown this year. And he did it twice. He just has some explosiveness. Like he just, it, you know, we see a lot of guys try to go out wide and, uh, and stuff like that. He goes right up the middle and he still finds, you know, the special rooms. And again, this one more, I think I'm giving to the Blue Bombers special return special teams because even though if it might not be grant it could be some other guys in there and uh of course mike miller blocking and getting touchdowns right so always got to give it to the blue ball i get 15 and three it's real hard to you know even if i wasn't a blue bomber fan it would be really hard to not look at them and say well obviously they must succeed or succeed in a lot of positions right yeah, for sure. Uh, for the the other three of us, it was a sweep across the board as well for Seth Small out east for Hamilton. Yeah, he's been fantastic. I had him on my fantasy roster uh, down the stretch of the season, and uh, I started him in more games than I started Rene Paradis. So that speaks to how good of a season he had uh, there. A lot of clutch kicks for the Ticats. Uh, out uh, west, uh, Mike, Adam, and I all went with Mario Alfred of the Riders. Uh, had about 1,500 return yards on the season, three or four touchdowns. Uh, he was explosive. He was arguably one of the, the the brightest spots of the Riders' season down the stretch there. So uh, I had to give him a nod there. Uh, it's tough, though. A lot of these options uh, definitely deserve the nominees, and that's why they were the nominees for their teams. But I think Mario Alfred... It's my most outstanding special teams player. 
Uh, most outstanding rookie. Well, this should be an easy one. Uh, Emmanuel, uh, here are your nominees. Emmanuel Ragamba for the BC Lions. Kevin Brown for the Edmonton Elks. Uh, Peyton Logan for the Calgary Stampeders. Frankie Hickson for the Riders. Uh, Dalton Schoen for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. The out West. Uh, out East, Seth Small gets another nod. Gregor McKellar, another draft pick this year for the Argos, getting uh, some recognition. Devontae Williams uh, for the Red Blacks and uh, Tyson Philpot for the Montreal Alouettes. So, I mean, no question it's Dalton shown out West, right? Oh, 100%. Yeah. Like there, there's no argument that can be made against that. He led the league in receiving. He led the league in touchdowns. Uh, you do that as a rookie. Uh, this should be unanimous. And if it's not, I would be absolutely shocked. But I got to say, there's a good list of rookies there out West that definitely made an impact this year. And if it wasn't for Dalton shown having as good of a year as he had, uh, there are some very respectable winners out there as well. Oh, yeah, for sure. I agree. Now out East, it's more of an interesting story. Yeah. Uh, where did you go out East? I did go with the Phil pot because, again, I think we talked about this at the regular season. I think we were saying Jalen would be the one that would be more... I think he got drafted a few spots earlier and he was kind of the one we slot in maybe making it. And then the uh, other other twins, I wasn't going to say younger, but the other brother, the one they got drafted a little bit farther down, started more games, got more yards. But then that uh, Seth small, like that's just, you know, he put up some solid kicking too. So again, I'd split it between those two. Yeah, I'm pretty torn between those two as well. Uh, I gave Seth Small the the special teams nod, so I'll give it to Phil Pot here uh, as well. I think he's going to be a huge player coming into next year for the Alouettes, and I'm excited to see how he's going to develop there. And I hope he gets into kind of more of a starting receiver role there because I feel like Montreal is always one of those teams that's like, well, you've got the guy who's half on special teams, half on uh, you know backup in at wide receiver. I want to see the guy get in for more of a role there. So I'll give Tyson Philpott my nominee there as well. Uh, Mike went with Seth Small and Adam went with, uh, seriously, do we even need the East nominee? We do. Okay, Seth Small it is. So uh, yeah, no question Dalton Schoen is going to run away with this award this season. And uh, so those are our award nominees for this year. Again, I think Thursday is when the uh, the official nominees come out so we can discuss and uh, compare how we did uh, compared to uh, how the official voters did because we don't get an official vote uh, in this. I don't know if they'd want us to vote. Um, let us know, though, uh, whether it's in the live comments, whether it's on Twitter at CF Countdown Pod. Let us know who you're picking for your CFL award nominees for this season. And uh, feel free to tell us if you disagree with everything we have just said. We uh, we love the discussion either way. Uh, so those are our award nominees for this season uh let's move on to talking about our stand a little bit about week 21 here and touch on some standouts uh from this week uh what what are we what do you make of week 21 i guess as a whole here trey because we had uh we had winnipeg uh beating bc 24 to 9 then we had the triple header a great game between montreal and toronto 38 33 Hamilton beats Ottawa 23-16, uh, and then Calgary beating Saskatchewan 36-10. Uh, what did you make overall of what you saw this week? Uh, there wasn't a lot of, there weren't a lot of starters out there, were there? No, there wasn't. Uh, but I, I, the one standout was 
Montreal Toronto is going to be a heck of a game in two weeks if Montreal can squeeze by Hamilton. Uh, that's for sure. One, two. We'll see later in my power rankings, but I think there's a pretty dominant team coming out of friendly Manitoba and a lot of that rust versus rest thing. I don't know, think will be too much of a problem, but we'll see. And the other thing I found is we were talking about again in our group chat. We need to maybe leak this to the public at one point, but Nathan Rourke looked a little limping to me uh, when I was at IG field on uh, Friday night. Hopefully that's better. You know, yes, it's his first real game back since injury, but um, that's one thing you want to know. You don't want that to get hurt this week or you know, they have to play next week too. Right. So don't want that getting hurt. What about you? Yeah, I guess the big story was Nathan Rourke's return for BC. I was actually very impressed with what I saw. I know he didn't get a lot done. He had like 60 yards passing, no touchdowns. Uh, He did try to stretch the field a couple of times on passes that I thought, you know, were close, but just well defended by the Bombers in that game. But he looked a little uneasy at times, but the offense as a whole looked so much more comfortable to me. And the play calling by offensive coordinator Jordan Matzmit, or Maximit, Looked so much more comfortable and natural to me. It's like it, it just seemed like smarter play calling uh, by by the BC Lions, and I found it interesting because I expected them, you know, ease Rourke back into the game. You're gonna give him, uh, you're gonna give the ball to maybe James Butler quite a bit early on, but they called a lot of pass plays in a row to really get him in the rhythm. So, uh, you know, after a bad injury like that, coming back. I thought he did all right in his first game back, and I'm excited to see what he's going to do in the playoffs. See, I disagree about the play calling. It was, I don't know. I don't know. I just didn't like their game play, and I didn't like how Rourke looked, and I hope the, he's better on Sunday because I, I just don't, I don't know. He started to look a little gun shy in there. You know what I mean? And that's the last thing you want, especially at his age at, what, 24? God, I wish I was 24 again. You know, <laughs> I just, I don't know. That's my big worry for him. And again, it's, it's, you know, oh, it sounds like Bomber fans have a lot of uh, Nathan Rourke in their head, like Adam said to us. But I, he's the face of the league. You know, I don't want him risking that over potentially a, a first round bounce by Calgary, right? Like you just, oh, I want what's best for him, man. Well, they're going to have to bring their A game because they face Calgary, who this week against Saskatchewan put up 310 rushing yards in a football game. And if you want to talk about standout players from week 21, I mean, there's two of them here specifically for Calgary. Diedrich Mills, 14 carries for 125 yards and a touchdown. Uh, He's, you know, taken, he's played a couple games as a starter this year. Uh, If Kadeem Carey needed a rest or, or a break. I think he's going to be a huge player at running back next season. And I I wonder what his contract status is like. And if he's a free agent, I could see a team giving him a shot as their starter because he seems to just have so much energy and be that kind of next, you know, backup running back looking in for a starting role. And I think there's some teams that could use that. Uh, But certainly interesting to see how Calgary deploys him in the playoffs. Uh, Maybe they go with that dual back system and, and run it down your throats. It seems to be their model of success. And how about touchdown Tommy Stevens here, Trey? Uh, four carries, 163 yards rushing, and a touchdown on the ground. He also added one through the air as well. An 85-yard rushing touchdown, the longest rush of the long longest rushing play of any player all season long comes in the final week from the Calgary Stampeders third string quarterback. Uh, you can't make this up. 
nah, man, wild thing doing his thing, right? Like, that's why I was saying, too. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm glad. I think Bo got in. I wasn't able to catch all this game. He got in for a, a little bit of plays, too. But I was thinking, I don't know if you'd go with him. You want to see what your young guy got and, or has, and they found it. He's got uh, Strebler-like running ability, right? Was that probably the, a good comparison, you know, kind of thing? So That's yeah. the first thing I thought of. But yeah, as soon as I saw it, I was like, oh, here we go again. This is the, this he, is, is super valuable in this league, like super valuable. You know, we I don't want to try to get too much compared to the NFL, but you don't see backups coming in. You don't see the third and, or fourth and shorts on in this. You know, you don't see a lot of those gameplays, but somehow we make it work up here. I guess it's the yard off or something, but it's nice to see the I guess the third string guy get some action, right? How weird was it uh, for this game to see this game, uh, you know, Cody Fajardo and Bo Levi Mitchell having two very opposite send-offs in what's likely their last games with their respective teams. I mean, Bo's put the backup in the playoffs. Maybe he gets in if, you know, Mayer goes down due to injury or really struggles. But we had Bo go on for the final series and take the take the knees to end off the game and wave goodbye to McMahon Stadium because uh, I think it's pretty much – from what he's been saying as well, all but a given that Bo's not going to be back in Calgary next year. I mean, we've talked about Fajardo uh, a ton already. He doesn't get in in this game at all, which really shouldn't have been a surprise. Um, kind of a weird, weird to see these guys that have been top tier quarterbacks the past couple of seasons, uh, and in Bo's case, more than a decade almost. Uh, kind of weird to see them have these uh, these send offs here at the end of the regular season, isn't it? Oh, big time. And we're going to have a lot of things to talk about come February, whenever free agency hits, you know, four or five quarterbacks. I wouldn't be surprised moving spots here because if Bowen Fajardo goes somewhere, do the guys there stay or do they get booted? You know, it's got a lot going on other than what Calgary, Edmonton, BC, Winnipeg is, is would you say anyone else's job is safe? And even is Edmonton safe? If you can get Fajardo or Bo. Uh, you know what I mean? Like does some of these con some of these quarterbacks, you know, we could see a lot of uh, movement. Yeah, for sure. I, I'm so excited for the off season shows and the free agency and seeing where everybody goes. And I think it should be an interesting one here for uh, some of these quarterbacks uh, moving on around to some of the other games from this week. Again, we're going rapid fire because there's only small points to touch on really from each. Uh, that Montreal-Toronto game was a lot of fun, and Montreal jumped out early to that 21-7 to lead. I think Dom Davis was, what, like 10 for 10, 150 yards and two touchdowns. He only had 16 more yards the rest of the day after that, but that's besides the point. They did put Davis Alexander in uh, for later on in that game. Uh, the big standout to me, and this is a guy that we really haven't talked about this year because he hasn't played during the season – that I think could be a big name player for the Alouettes next year. And that's Cole Spiker, Cole Speaker, uh, who in this game had six catches, 105 yards and a touchdown. I want to say preseason game this year against Ottawa as well. He had a massive game in that one. I know it was preseason. This is kind of more of a preseason game. But I think Montreal is one of those teams where there are jobs to be had in the wide receiving core. And perhaps we see a guy like, like Cole Spiker, you know, get into that role next season. Okay. On Julian Grant also had a good day there for Montreal. I think he's kind of one of the more underrated uh, Canadian wide receivers in the CFL. And he's going to have a tough time competing for that job with Tyson Philpott uh, next season uh, as well. Uh, on the other side, 
I'm not sure if you saw this on Twitter, Trey, but uh, I guess Randy, is it Randy Moss, uh, famous uh, NFL wide receiver? Uh, has, yeah, I, I, didn't, yeah. I don't know what you're talking about, but it's Randy Moss, yeah. Yeah, he has a show or a segment oh, on a you show. Got Moss? You got Moss. Yeah, that's the great. The number one guy on there this week was Jawan Breskison of the Toronto Argonauts for his I, catch in the end zone. I did not see that. I actually have to look to, I got to find that now. Yeah, it was a it was a heck of a catch in the end zone. So uh, the CFL getting a little bit of a nod from uh, from the famous guy there, and uh, yeah, Breskison, a, a guy Toronto brought in a couple couple of years ago or last year, expecting big things after a breakout season in Calgary. So many injuries and just has never seemed to get back into the lineup. But uh, certainly some good Canadian wide receiver depth there for the Argos. Uh, anything else from? from the Montreal-Toronto game that kind of stood out to you. Uh, what did you think of Chad Kelly? I completely forgot to watch the highlights of this game, so I will come back to that question on Thursday, man. <laughs> Sounds good. Fair <laughs> enough. Uh, I, I was not 100% sure if I was going to jump on today until yes, whenever yesterday, right? And I completely forgot to watch the highlights of that game. So well, that's on me. <laughs> Yeah, no, no problem as well. I didn't fully catch them on this one either, if I'm being honest. But again, uh, it, I'll say it, it makes the thing intriguing again. You have another team that has two potential guys that could be the starter next year. And how does Fajardo and um, Bo play into that? How does I know we're going to keep saying Burden Adams has one more year, but you're telling me that that might not be some eye candy somewhere. You know, you don't know what's happening. Dominic Davis showed he can have some skill. Like I said, does Cornelius stay in Edmonton if he can, if uh, Chris Jones can get some hands. So Toronto's another interesting thing you want to keep an eye on there. Cause yeah, you want the team wants to keep two guys, but two to two guys want to stay there. They not, you know, that's the problem. Everyone wants to be the big cheese. So does Kelly move on somewhere else? Does Bethel Thompson move somewhere else? We'll find out, you know? Yeah. 65% passing 264 yards, two touchdowns on the, in the air, 35 yards and a touchdown on the ground and an interception for Chad Kelly. Uh, not bad in his first game playing with a lot of backups, playing against a lot of backups. Um, we'll see how he develops. Cause I know there's a lot of hype around this guy. And I feel like we often get these quarterbacks with a lot of hype around them coming to the CFL duck Hodges in Ottawa was probably the last uh, one last season where I think he had spent time with the Pittsburgh Steelers and then was coming here and people thought maybe he was going to turn it around with Ottawa. Well, no, not that never really happened. Uh, so I think there's a lot of hype around Chad Kelly, and I'm interested to see what that looks like next season for him there. Uh, I guess the only other game we haven't really touched on is Hamilton and Ottawa this week. Uh, I don't know anything there that uh, speaks to you if you look at the stats sheet. Uh, I guess the big thing for me, Justin Hardy got another nine targets in this game. He's had what, like 25 to 30 down the stretch of the season. If he's not uh, a guy they're heavily featuring in their offense next year, I feel like they're doing something wrong. No, I mean, they Hamilton started to rush a little bit. If you want to talk about that, uh, over 100 yards combined, right? Uh, Thomas Erlington got 44 and West Hills got 41. So, of those, you know, so I mean, that's a little bit, that's double what they usually get, right? So as long as they keep that going, I guess Hamilton's got a shot in in Montreal next week. I think they're really going to need to. I, I yeah. They're going to have to double down on it because it's clear they're a better football team when they do. And probably most teams in general are. 
if you don't run the ball, you need to have a good enough passing and receiving game to make up for it. I don't think the Ticats have enough depth to do that. Yeah, I actually just had one thing come to mind. You know what snuck up? A thousand yards for Oliveira, and he only joined like a list of three or four Canadians that ever got that mm. in a year rushing. So that's another guy that snuck up late kind of in the year. We were talking, what, maybe half the year. We want to see a run game out of Winnipeg, and well, look at that. Third Canadian ever to get over a thousand yards in a season. I'm pretty sure it was third. I think it was Cornish, Harris, and now Oliveira. But uh, I- the- Jerome Messam, perhaps, as well. Is he Canadian? Yes. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay, well then, fine. Maybe him. I thought yeah, I saw three four, or four. Right? Four? Okay, perfect. Still, that's not a list. That's a good list to be on, you know? So Yeah. Yeah, I was surprised that it was such a small list when I heard that stat as well. And I didn't we debate on the podcast on Thursday last week for, uh, you know, Oliver needed, what, 70 yards? And, well, is, is Coach O'Shea going to be the guy to leave him out there to get his award type of thing? They left him out there enough to get one yard over a thousand on the season, which he got on a 19 yard run on the final play of the half. So uh, kudos to Brady Oliveira, probably realized that was his last chance to get it. And if he made a little bit more money off of that, uh, kudos to him uh, on that one as well. Uh, yeah, it was an interesting week 21, a little bit of kind of preseason for next year insight, a little bit of, uh, well, how our team's going to get ready to go for the playoffs. And, uh, I'm just excited to see, uh, the playoffs start this week, um, because I'm ready to see how these teams are going to go head to head. Like that West division playoff race is going to be so much fun, uh, out, uh, this year, uh, Trey, do you have the betting results for this week, Handy? If not, you want to start pulling them up here as we move. Yeah, I got them right now, man. Uh, interesting week. Uh, you guys never listen, man. Never, never listen. Um, so I well, I took Winnipeg. You guys took BC. We all know how that went down. We all got Montreal right. All got Ottawa wrong. And you and myself went with Calgary. Got that right. And Adam just went down with the ship, man, <laughs> in Saskatchewan. Um, but you got to do, like I said, I was, I was hemming and hawing about Winnipeg and I'm glad I stuck with it because again, I went with the, don't be a Homer Trey, like, you know, but it happened, uh, overall I'm 49, 31, you're 44, 36, Adam 39, 41, five games left. I, I, as commissioner of betting crowned myself winner, you could tie. I highly doubt we're going to disagree five straight games. And Adam could catch you, but I highly doubt he's going to hit 500. No, I'm just kidding. I highly <laughs> doubt you guys are going to disagree five straight games as well. Adam's two games below uh, 500 with five games left. Maybe he'll sweep them here in the playoffs, man. The I think sad- I, I was going to say going with Saskatchewan is probably what killed him. So, I mean, there's one team he can't lose on this week. The sad thing is that final game, Saskatchewan-Calgary, if he would have gone with Calgary, he would have hit 500 on the regular season. But uh you got this in the playoffs, Adam, if you if you are listening in. Uh, yeah, I, you called in on that Winnipeg-BC game. Kudos to you there, Trey. Uh, definitely, uh, you know, earning your resident betting expert nod here. Uh, I, d- I doubt I'm going to catch you, but maybe I will go with the opposite picks all throughout the playoffs just to, uh, just to keep it interesting. I'm sure we'll disagree on a little bit, but you got to stay tuned Thursday night uh, to hear more about that. Of course, our betting segment is also powered by BetStamp. BetStamp's a free app that helps you find the best value for your online sports betting wagers, provides you comparisons of odds across a variety of different sports books, including the BetStamp Bet Recommended Best Odds, which is what we use every week for those CFL picks we made. 
Uh, you can learn more at betstamp.app and sign up with referral code CFC. Um, how did we do, I guess, in our consensus picks this week? I will pull it up on my other screen here. Well, we all, I know we all took the Montreal. Two and two. We'd be two and two, I guess, because we all went Montreal and you and I would have won it with Calgary. Yes. Then, yep, yeah, that is correct. And then Adam and I probably blew it on BC and Ottawa. So, uh, seems to be a common theme here. Uh, Maybe next year we need to like add a weight to the uh, consensus picks where like your picks are worth more value. Um, but yeah, we need we need Mike to get in on it too. I think a little bit more. He needs he needs a little bit more participation. He wasn't in the the one fantasy and not in the betting, you know. So yeah, he's a busy guy. Mike's a busy guy. It's a text. It's a text, man. It's a text. <laughs> send me the picks, man. Adam got no service in his field, and he sends me he sends me it, man. <laughs> We'll see if we can get them roped in on it next year there. But, uh, yeah, that's our regular season betting results. We'll make our picks uh, for the playoffs, of course, as well, and see where that ends up with our overall title, Uh, but most likely going towards you there. Uh, Let's look at our fantasy results from this week. Uh, First of all, (laughs) playing the official CFL fantasy game. The, The season wrapped up for the CFL podcast fantasy league the week before. Uh, where Superfan Mike took home the title on that one. But we were still playing for fun, still playing for the overall leaderboard on the season. Uh, This week, I put up 78 points. Uh, I had uh, Caleb Evans, Diedrich Mills, Brendan Golanders was a cheap play. He got, like, nothing. He only got two points. Uh, Rashid Bailey, Keon Hatcher, Justin Hardy, and the Stampeders defense, all kind of around that 10 to 15 point mark. Not a bad week overall for me. Uh, 78 points on the week. I did reach my goal. I didn't win the overall leaderboard on the season, but finished with the top 100 finish out of everybody on the year. 78th overall, I think. So I think that's one of my best finishes ever. So all in all, I'm happy with the way this fantasy season went. Uh, this week, Adam put up 48.2 points. Uh, Chad Kelly put up 26 of those. Uh, a couple other spots, I think, guys that you know, didn't get a whole ton of reps this week for him. Let's talk about your fantasy week here, Trey. It was half good and half bad. Like I had some interesting choices and I could have did a lot better. Uh, Made a couple mistakes here. I just had it, but I wanted to see how high I I was overall. Yeah, I didn't crack. I just, I didn't even crack top 1500. So uh, we'll leave that for next year. But this week was interesting. So I started off with, Wild thing, Tommy Stevens, 27.6 points. Wow, that's something. I got a big goose egg with Greg McRae. I want to skip the next guy because we'll come to him later. Uh, Jalen Philpot did all right, 10 points. And then here again, I kind of messed up with Katoy and Grant. They only picked up 5.3 points between them. It was hard to gauge who was actually going to play, right? Because I went with Grant based off return yards. And he, I think he did start... Oh, maybe there was a sweep that started the game for Bombers, and I thought it was him, and then it wasn't. So I was like, okay, whatever. Uh, I think it was Bailey. And then I got the Calgary Stampeders defense for 10 points. But uh, the one I want to talk about, my boy, Mike Miller, uh, quarterback now apparently, uh, even though they tried it, what, five times and got penalties, and then they tried it again later, and somehow uh, BC's defense couldn't figure out what they were going to do. They were too confused about Willie Jefferson standing out in left field out there. Gets the touchdown. Two attempts, two yards, and a touchdown. 6.2 points. I told you, he always gets a touchdown every year. I bet that's a gun his contract too, man. Because he always gets one, like, either really early in the year or really late in garbage time, you know? 
Gotta, you, you, are, you, are, you are the fantasy genius this week. I, I, I watched this as these things were going down. The Mike Miller touchdown, the Tommy Stevens 85-yard touchdown. That's like 14 points there. I was like, my goodness, Trey's like a band of misfits here is actually going to go out and win the week. And I mean, most lineups this week were bands of misfits because how do you pick from you know, teams where you have a quarterback playing a quarter and then you have other guys, you know, rotating in throughout the week and a lot of a lot of guys resting all the top picks out out of their lineups. So uh, it's a fun week. It's an interesting week to balance the CFL fantasy results in that one. Uh, we also wrapped up our week in our CFC fantasy league this week. The final totals are in. Uh, this week, Mike had the winning score with 64.1 points. Trey, you had 45.3 at the second highest score of the week. Uh, Adam came uh, just behind with 41. I had 33.9. My team was kind of carried by accident. I actually picked up Kayon Julian Grant instead of dropped Nate Bahar last minute, just try to pick up some points there. Uh, but all of my receivers on my roster otherwise were on buys or, or out this week. So... Uh, luckily I had enough of a lead going in that. Yes, I took the overall crown on the season. I'm waiting for my trophy to come in any day now. Uh, 1974.6 points. So I came just short of that 2000 point goal. Mike had 1794.3 overall. He comes in second Trey, You did secure the bronze medal at 1466.9 and Adam had 1381 on the season. So, uh, what do you make of week 21 in the season as a whole? That's why most fantasy leagues don't end on the last uh, last week, man. That's exactly right. <laughs> you know, the guy that has the league lead got the like least amount of points, right? Because you have all the players that need resting or aren't playing, right? So week 21, overall, very interesting, man. Very interesting. I don't know what else to say. It was exciting at times, and you saw a little bit, but can you really take – you can't take too much about what Winnipeg's going to do potentially against BC in two weeks. You can't take, you know, what Montreal and Toronto are going to do in a couple of weeks. Playoffs is a new season, right? And I'm ready to watch next weekend. Yeah, embarrassing performance by my team in the final week. I almost don't deserve the championship there. No, I accomplished one thing I did do, though. I accomplished my goal. I did. I, I took the championship season. I did not have a single Winnipeg Blue Bomber on my roster the entire season long, mostly because you and Mike snapped them all up in the first, like, five rounds of the fantasy draft at the start of the year. But, uh, hey. You got to pick up those key players on, on, on you know, the lower-seeded teams. They can make a difference when it comes to fantasy there. And uh, we'll do our fantasy draft next season again, and uh, we're each uh, doing a keeper going into next year. So uh, you've got a couple guys stashed on your bench that I think could be uh, potential strong keepers going into next year as well, don't you? Yeah, we'll have to see. I'll... Yeah, we'll see. It'll be a nice long. It'll be a nice long off season, and again, whenever the trade window and free agency opens up in our league, there might be some moves, but we'll see. Yes, uh, we will see there as well. So those are our fantasy results for Week Twenty One. Uh, I figured, you know, regular season ending, a quick segment here we can do uh, is uh, fat to you know touch on fantasy a little bit. Is our Twenty Twenty Two CFL Fantasy All Stars? We could do the actual league All Stars, uh, but there's been plenty of talk about that. So I wanted to talk about. No fantasy players who in the fantasy department has been just a real clutch go-to pick that you could rely on every single week for the most part this season. Uh, so I figure we could quickly go through that. And uh, for me at quarterback, I've got Nathan Rourke. I mean, Rourke was over $10,000 in price 
at times. He was, I think, even up to 14000 And almost every time I was like, surely that's not going to be worth the full value. Somehow he did it and averaged like 35 points a game for a couple weeks in a row there. Uh, he was most reliable. Honorable mention maybe to Taylor Cornelius. Kind of started cheaper, but uh, ended up being a force to be reckoned with there as well. Uh, who was uh, kind of your uh, go-to most dependent fantasy quarterback of the season? Uh, who was the guy you liked to key in on? Dalton Schoen, especially when he was like, what, $5,000 most of the year? Like, a you know. A quarterback. Oh, a quarterback. Sorry, I wasn't listening. Yeah. Ah, nobody. They, they were all overpriced, man. Like, again, like the best the best thing I had was Tommy Stevens <laughs> the last week, man, right? Cheap play there. The thing about it. I uh, see. I think I had a different quarterback every week, so it's really hard to go. Maybe I did Bethel Thompson a little bit, but yeah, I don't know. I wasn't impressed with quarterback play outside of two guys maybe this year. Yeah, so it was it was tough when those options weren't available to find the one. You know, you're basically going for the cheaper option because you're not spending for the high price because they often disappoint. Uh, at running back, I, I give my all-star team picks to Kadeem Carey. He led the league in rushing. He led the league uh, in running back touchdowns with 10 there. Uh, moderately involved in the receiving game, but for me, running backs, you want a guy who's a workhorse. You want a guy who's going to put up the touchdowns, and nobody did that more than Kadeem Carey, so I have to give him the nod there. And for my second one, because you, you know, I'm doing full roster here uh, uh, that you would play in a fantasy week normally, it was tough to think of a second running back that was dependable the whole way through. Like James Butler was good, but had an awful stretch in the midway point of the season. So I give the nod to Jamal Morrow, who, yeah, he was injured for a lot of the year, but he still, I think, was one number one or number two in receiving yards among running backs this year. He was like fifth in rushing yards, despite missing uh, six games there in the middle. Uh, he was a dominant uh, league winner early in the season, so I gave Jamal Morrow uh, a bit of nod there as well. Anybody stand out to you at running back this year? For fantasy, I'll give it to AJ Olette. Again, he wasn't a lot of value or a lot of money, but he picked up some things. Maybe a little shout-out to Oliveira. Again, he snuck up 1,000 yards somehow. That must have got some fantasy points somewhere for people. Uh, again, it was a weird year. We never had a guy who took over the league and – in rushing, right? Because there was so much passing right now and a lot of rotation in the in the backfield. So it was really hard, again, to pinpoint one guy. Yeah, a couple of guys that ended up being key value plays, I think, at times throughout the year. You know, Dedrick Mills, you could throw him into that category. Kevin Brown down the stretch, the Rookie of the Year nominee for the Elks. They were moderately priced. But yeah, A.J. Olette was kind of one of my options there that I was thinking of as well. A wide receiver, you talked about it. Dalton Schoen uh, was your go-to guy. Uh, anybody else stand out for you at wide receiver this year that uh, was a, a consistent uh, go-to player or a real strong performer when you had him? If you're lucky to get Janarian Grant just because he got the receiving yards in there, but, or uh, return yards, I mean. But other than that, again, I went with uh, Hatcher a lot. He disappointed me. Uh, Katoy disappointed me. Shaper Baker did all right. You know, again, like I was a guy on the receiving court, kind of stuck in the middle of the field until uh, till Schoen got a little pricey, right? So I don't know. I, just as a whole year, I, I'm not overwhelmed by anyone's player, even like Coleros and the guys that were giving MOPs to. Again, if if um, Rourke stayed in all year and he ended up having a million passing yards, okay, yeah, he, he would have impressed the hell out of me. But other than that, do we really look at any guy in this league and went, wow, this year? Not really. Like, 
Yeah, the biggest maybe wow. Shown, maybe shown. Like, the biggest wow point for me is Dalton Shown. Yeah. I mean, he started the year at $2,500 in CFL Fantasy and ended the year at, what, $9,000, $10,000, I think, uh, was his final price. Yeah, over 10000 So uh, the most expensive receiver in week 21. So if that's not the indication of a guy who had low expectations, uh, so to say, coming into the year and then finished strong, I don't know what is. Uh, he definitely gets an all-star nod for me. You mentioned Keon Hatcher. He finished seventh in the re- league in receiving yards at 1,043 and five touchdowns. Definitely expected a decent year from him, but when you've got Dominic Rimes and you got Lucky Whitehead and you got Brian Burnham, you're not expecting Keon Hatcher to be a seventh overall receiver on the year. So he was often cheaper, I think, than his price, uh, uh, you know, than the points he delivered there as well. Couple other guys that stood out to me: Malik Henry of the Calgary Stampeders. He finished ninth in receiving or eighth, sorry, in receiving yards this year. He had a thousand yard year despite playing only thirteen games on the year. So uh, he had a huge couple monster games. He put up eight touchdowns on the season. Uh, you know, we expected Reggie Bagleton and Kamar Jordan to be the two guys for Calgary. Malik Henry, a breakout player this season, there as well. And my final nod goes to Dylan Mitchell of the Edmonton Elks, who came on very strong with the in the final eight games. 637 receiving yards and four touchdowns. He was good for the big play every week. He was, if he would have started, you know, three, four weeks earlier, he would have been the second half of the season Dalton shown, where I think he would have been up to, you know, $7,000, $8,000 in CFL fantasy at the end of the year. And I expect him to be a big player for the Elks next season. Finally, defenses. Interesting year on defense because a lot of hype around Winnipeg, a lot of hype around Saskatchewan going in. I feel like they flatlined more often than not, though, where they weren't delivering the big performances. For me, I got to go either Calgary or Toronto, I think, because no one really put up a consistent massive performance, but those were the two that had the biggest booms uh, when they did. And uh, yeah, every team's good defense is going to have a bust every once in a while, but uh you know, Calgary got a lot of sacks this year. They got a lot of big plays. Yeah, they gave up the yardage and points at times, but they made up for it uh, pretty big. Uh, any any defense uh, stand out above the others for you this year? I was going to go with Toronto because real quickly, they picked up the most points all year and by a fair bit. Like, I think they were 161, and a lot of teams were 120 over the year, and the lowest 98 from Hamilton, right? So I, you got to go with the team that picked you up the most points all year. Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, that's our 2022 CFL Fantasy All-Stars, a little fun little segment there to round out the regular season. We'll talk fantasy options in the playoffs as well, because the CFL official game does uh, go into the playoffs. It's a different game normally, though. I think it's a $30,000 price range, and I think you pick less players. I think it's maybe only one running back, one receiver, and a full X if I'm in plus quarterback in defense. So we'll, we'll talk about that more on Thursday as well, assuming it's up and running by then. Uh, but uh, I guess next up, let's move into uh, as our last thing here today. I don't know if we need to go into players of the week. I think we kind of touched on those in our standout players earlier. Uh, so let's just move on and talk about power rankings here uh, in uh, week 21. Uh, you want to go with your power rankings here first, Trey? There we go. Let's try. There we go. Uh, number one, I had Winnipeg. Uh, 
you know, 15 and three hard, you know, probably MOP and rookie of the year on their team. The uh, two through nine, what did I do? Who cares? Uh, spells out because at this point, you know, it's a new season. Like, you know, I, 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 if, if you gave a, if this was soccer and you gave the league title to the team who won the regular season or like in hockey, what is it? The president's trophy blue bombers have it. Number one, two through six do not matter to me really at this point. And even one doesn't really matter because there's only one ch- championship that matters this uh, now. And uh, it's Lord Grey's cup. Fair enough. Uh, for me, yeah, I, I would still put Winnipeg at number one. I mean, they've earned it. They had the 15-3 and three season. There's no denying they've been the best team this year. Uh, I still put BC, I think, at number two. I'm still really high on the Lions and especially having Nathan Rourke back. But Calgary's a close three. I think that is going to be a battle between those two teams out west uh, in the first round of the playoffs. And it's going to be hard to pick a winner, I think, in that one. Um, maybe Montreal ahead of Toronto, uh, out East. I, th- I feel like Montreal's got more momentum here coming into the playoffs, uh, to build off of than Toronto has, you know, I feel like Toronto has been like decent win here, close loss there, you know, stumbling to kind of no strong suit going throughout the year, but they're very close to me there as well. Hamilton obviously has to go six because they made the playoffs. Of the bottom three teams, Ottawa, Edmonton, Saskatchewan, because you mentioned one through six didn't really matter to you. Uh, how do you rank those three teams, I guess, uh, taking a look at where they are at now for to head into next year? Uh, so you said Saskatchewan, or the three teams that didn't make the playoffs? Oh, jeez. Yeah. You know, I'd put Edmonton one out of those three. Oh, God. And then it's a battle of the Rough Riders on the bottom, I guess. I don't, I don't know. It's... Uh, there's one more year until uh, the other Rourke kid comes in, right? Because uh, I don't know. The CFL draft is tough because which team is really going to benefit from the draft? Probably neither of them. But when uh, Curtis Rourke comes in, then that's the team I'd be like, okay, they're going to get probably an ejection shot. But you said there's a couple of quarterbacks coming in next year, right? Potentially. So, Well, that's, that's just my guess based on yeah. if, there, if there are some, I think teams are going to be clamoring the, for them. The Canadian talent, like even if you look south of the border, right, is unreal right now. So... Yeah, I guess if a gun to my head, I'd have to put it Edmonton, Ottawa, Saskatchewan at the bottom because I had Saskatchewan bottom for a while and they haven't done anything to impress me in a while. Yeah, I'm ranking them the same way at the bottom. Uh, Edmonton, I think year two of Chris Jones uh, is always better than year one, right? And we saw some breakout players that they've already signed contracts for next year, another year of uh, Chris Jones tinkering. I think that could be a team that can compete uh, potentially next season, depending obviously on what they do. Uh, Ottawa, I think they got better under Bob Dice late in the season. They found some pieces to build off of for next year, perhaps. Does Bob Dice get the full head coaching job into next year? I think he deserves a shot at it at least, because I don't know who else you're going to get. That's a better option. Unless, you know, the Riders let go of Craig Dickinson and uh, Ottawa decides to bring him in for that role. Uh, Saskatchewan, I do put at the bottom of my rankings right now, just because I have no idea what to expect this off season out of them. Are they going to blow the team up? Are they going to bring back the same personnel? Uh, what are they doing at quarterback next year? Will they fix the offensive line? I think there's a lot of questions there. Uh, so that's kind of my rankings. Uh, Adam did send some in, uh, he had Winnipeg, Calgary, BC, Montreal, Toronto, Hamilton, Ottawa, Edmonton, Insert your favorite Canadian non-CFL team here. 
and then the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Uh, so yeah, pretty pretty consistent with what he's had the past couple of weeks. And Mike was uh, not able to send some in today, so uh, we don't have anything there for Mike. But you can find out his if you want to know his power rankings. Uh, tweet him at Mike Garrell there for that. Anything else you want to talk about here today, Trey? Or should we get into wrapping things up? Ah, I know we talked about a little bit, but the halftime show, like I just keep hearing more and more and more bad news. I don't know what's true at this point, you know, with Photoshop and stuff. I know we saw a joke Wiggles poster. I've heard some things where people were booked and it got canceled. And I've heard something where Saskatchewan has wanted to announce it for weeks and it's the league that's preventing them. It's just a, I don't know. It's just a gong show to me. And I, that's all I wanted to really, I need to get a little bit of it out. Like, I don't know. I saw something. I think it was Ryan from the Horseman's podcast that he doesn't care. Like if you were announced it six weeks ago, who would remember? But, you know, you're, we remember who was the halftime show of the Super Bowl. You know, we, even Adam remembered the, the fake rumor before he remembered the real one, right? He was still thinking it was T Swift when it got into, uh, was Rihanna. Like, I, I don't agree that it's going to get forgotten. Now, do we need to announce it in, september or october when the super bowl is in february no we don't need to announce it that far but labor day into october i think you know two months give it two months and i think build the hype especially if the tickets weren't selling especially when the home team is or home team fans are reselling their tickets that halftime show is a selling point so to some people like look look at us if it was a decent halftime show would you and me not be more willing to try to drive out and take adam's tickets over maybe a garbage halftime show probably i would I, you know what i mean i would if it was somebody I'm not, like i'm not gonna i'm not a big music guy in general like i just listen to podcasts so i don't think music fair. would be a motivator for me personally but i, I get what you're saying that's fair okay well i don't know i've heard the, some of the rumors i'd go see nickelback i'd go see shania i'd go see uh Sean Mendes was one I heard was rumored. I don't know how, and that was the one that canceled. Apparently, I don't. Again, I don't know what the rumors are. I wouldn't go see the Wiggles, and I wouldn't probably go see uh, whoever we were talking about last week, the Offspring or whatever. Never even really heard of them. But there's some people I'd be like, "Hey, Adam, can I have those tickets?" Even if Winnipeg wasn't playing in it more than others, so that time kind of matters. But we'll see. When were they supposed to announce it this week? I think so. Yeah. Oh well, I hope to God they do. But you know. That, that's about it. and the and oh and the graphics team at CFL. Did you see their bracket? Uh, <laughs> the, the, the bracket bra- that uh, they they will they posted the bracket in the wrong format and then deleted it and then posted it again, but it was the exact same graphic. Uh, <laughs> and I, yeah. you only see that kind of work out of CTV, man. You know that's not great. You know, and just again, it's something little like that where either you're. Either your graphic team doesn't realize that, that, oh, we should have the home team bottom every time, or like you have them in the same place. I don't care if you put them on top. It's technically wrong, but soccer, I think they put the home team up. You know what I mean? Like you got to keep it consistent. So that means your graphic design team is not with it with sports, that you put the home team on the bottom. Like, that, that just seems so mind-boggling to me, right? Like, you yeah, and I... a weird one, yeah. Yeah, like, you always put the home team on the bottom. Like, you see MLB does it, but NFL does it, every hockey does it, every, home team's on the bottom. And like I said, I think soccer puts theirs on top, but they always put the home team on top. It's just what it is, you know? And you just, you can't flip-flop it in something that's your official playoff bracket, right? Like, yeah, it's just, 
and then delete it and retweet it again. Like again, what if CTV said that you know named the wrong mayor twice? That would have just been even off more. You know, so I don't know. That's that's the two things I got. Yeah, that was that was a weird one. I saw that one as well and had a good chuckle that uh, that had happened on that one. I was looking at, I was like, wait, this doesn't make sense. Uh, but uh, anyways, we know what the bracket is. At least it's not a super complicated one that we can't figure out. Uh, despite that, so playoffs around the corner here uh, for us uh, for the CFL, and I guess playoffs around the corner here for us as well. Uh, because Thursday night this week, November 3rd, we'll be previewing the playoffs. We're going to go through the first two-round matchups. Uh, we've got uh, Calgary and BC. We've got uh, Montreal and Hamilton there as well in the first round. We'll go through and break those down fully for you uh, at all the different positions there. We'll pick our winners, of course, in those ones. And then we'll go on to pick the rest of our playoff brackets as well. And we'll make sure the brackets all line up properly. Uh, probably won't make any graphics for them. So just line them up in your head. Uh, and we'll talk fantasy options for that as well. So you can look forward to that Thursday night, 9 p.m. Winnipeg time, 8 p.m. Saskatchewan time. Adjust your other time zones accordingly. Uh, and then next week on Monday, we'll be back uh, recapping the division semifinals. So those very same games we're previewing on Thursday, 9 p.m. Central Daylight time on that one as well. I believe there's a time change on November 6th. So uh, Winnipeg, Saskatchewan, both will be at 9 p.m. Uh, when we record that show. So uh, Adam's on the same uh, same time zone or same timeline as us for that one, I guess. Uh, so uh, that will shorten the, uh, the wrap up uh, by like 20 seconds when we don't need to mention different time zones for that one. But of course, there's other time zones across Canada that uh, you can adjust accordingly we and across the world where we love it, wherever you tune in and join us on this wild journey of the Canadian Football Countdown. You can, of course, catch our shows live every week over on YouTube, the Canadian Football Countdown, facebook.com slash cfcountdownpod, at cfccountdown on Twitter, uh, and uh, or cfccountdownpod, cfcountdownpod, oh my goodness, tongue-tied. Uh, twitch.tv slash CF countdown pod and on the game time TV, YouTube page, uh, all made possible by our presenting sponsor game time TV, which you can learn more about at game time TV.ca. If you want to follow the podcast on Twitter again at CF countdown pod, uh, uh, on Facebook, the Canadian football countdown there, uh, make sure you check out all the other great shows from around the Canadian football podcast network as well at CF pod network on Twitter. Uh, Trey, what you all got going on these days uh, when you're not here doing the podcast? Not a lot, man. No, you know, you can find me at Trey MB Harness. Uh, yeah, you know, I got a lot of horse racing stuff on there. I don't like to brag, but I'm going to brag. You know, I asked you about that story. Apparently, it was the number one story on the website for about four or five days. And what finally knocked it off? was a weekend full of steak races that went for just shy of a million dollars so wow. i mean my story so my story uh so if you want uh, all the news on harness racing i'm your guy at harness link canadian contributor so you know but it's getting quiet this time of year harness racing does go all year in canada but you know it's not as there everywhere but you know at there uh talking to modern warfare too i'll uh i've almost smashed a controller or two playing it for a week so you know Definitely see me venting on that. Anything Star Wars, Marvel, and eh, whatever, man. At Trey MB Harness, Ryan. What about? Oh, actually, I'll, I'll throw I'll throw Adams. Adam Stewart won. Sure, he's got farming stuff all year still. I think I saw him posting some stuff there today. 
believe so. Anyway, yeah, if you want to see some farmer stuff and uh, no rider talk up until probably April next year, until har- or until seeding time. So, if, you know, Adam Stewart won. I have a feeling there will be a lot of things in Ryderville for Adam to talk about in the next little while. Uh, he's also doing a lot of stuff with senior hockey right now, so make sure you right. check all that out as well. Uh, make sure you follow Mike on Twitter, at Mike Garrell, also to see everything he's doing right now with junior hockey in Manitoba. Trey's been getting in on, on some of the action for that as well. Uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter, at Cooper Trooper 42 we'll talk CFL, we'll talk CFL fantasy. If you want to talk NFL, NFL fantasy. Uh, Trey, I just checked on my NFL fantasy score for the week, and I skated out of this week with a win by 0.6 points. Ooh. Coming into the final night, a uh, I believe I had a uh, 10 to 15 point lead. I had Joe Mixon. My opponent had Nick Chubb. Chubb scored 25. Mixon scored like 12. And uh, I just narrowly escaped with the win after losing by two points last week. Uh, fantasy football is a fickle game. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I messed up and I didn't put the couple right players in and I still won by 45 points. Right. So oh, geez. Um, I, I didn't, I didn't put Pollard in in Dallas. I didn't realize Zeke was out. He picked up 30 points that was sitting on my bench and I could have gained some other points somewhere else. So yeah, I, I probably could have scored over 200 points in my league, but Hey, you yeah. just got to score one more point than your, or point one points more than your opponent. Right. So yeah, yeah I'll it, take it. We're getting in buy time too, right? So I had a lot of buys last week. I think I'll be fine as long as my team stays healthy. Going and we've forward. got the NFL trade deadline coming up on Tuesday as well. So That's we'll see if true. any more deals happen. This is the most trades I've ever seen in a football season, man, already. So I don't, I doubt it, but we'll see. We will see there as well. And of course, lots to come here on the podcast as well. Thanks for everybody for tuning in. Thanks for those of you. Who joined us here this evening? Uh, I know Halloween night, a lot of people out trick or treating or doing other things as well. I see Richard coming in the chat late. Hey, Richard, uh, no worries. You can always catch the episodes after the fact as well if you missed it live, of course. Uh, whatever podcast platform you listen or watch on, we always appreciate if you do all the fun things such as like, comment, subscribe, rate, rate, review, share the show with your friends, help us grow the show. We definitely always appreciate that. And on behalf of Trey here this evening, I'm Ryan saying thank you for listening. Take care. Have a good one. Bye.